0: Hello, and welcome to the 94 Feet Report. I'm your host, as always, Eric Spropolis and you can follow me on Twitter, at Eric Spiros. This is episode 9 of Free Talk Friday here on the 94 Feet Report, and if you've missed our previous episodes, um, this is a really casual conversation where we don't really bring up uh, that many advanced stats, Just kind of conversations you would have with a friend or coworker. Um, So a couple of uh, changes uh, to the show. Before we get into the changes to the show, um, I want to mention our sponsors briefly. Uh, We are sponsored again by Fan Essentials. Use promo code 94FEET at checkout for 30% off your first subscription. And by Daily Fantasy Nerd. Uh, Check out their great daily fantasy tools to help you out. Uh, in terms of changes to the show, um, I'm now a part of the 16 Windsor Ring team. Um, I will be writing at 16 Windsor Ring, and I will also be bringing the podcast, the 94 Feet Report, to the 16 Windsor Ring podcast network. So check out our site, 16 .com. check out the podcast network to... Uh, listen to all the other great podcasts we have on the network and, of course, this podcast as well. And then you can catch my articles at 16, my NBA articles at 16 wins a ring moving forward. Um, additionally, I will now be the Rockets beat uh, beat writer for Hoops Habit. Um, so previously I was at the Dream Shake on SB Nation covering the Rockets. Now I'm going to move to, uh, I was already at Hoops Habit covering the NBA, but Due to some changes to the site, I will now be covering the Rockets exclusively for Hoops Habit. So those are two changes that are pretty significant for myself, and of course, pretty significant for the show. And I just wanted to mention them here as well. Um, we've been pretty inconsistent with our episodes recently because we were because we were going. Uh, you know, undergoing these changes, joining networks, switching networks, you know, I was joining different writing positions at different sites, so it got a little bit messy, but moving forward, we will be more consistent with the podcast on the 16 Windsor Ring Podcast Network. I will hopefully have a lot of guests because uh, we have a lot of great uh, basketball minds on the 16 Windsor Ring team, so hopefully we'll have a lot of guests moving forward, Um, and we'll continue with our structured show with our six segments, um, you know, basically an hour-ish long episode on Mondays, and then, of course, Free Talk Fridays. Um, on Fridays. In today's episode of Free Talk Friday, I have have three topics that I like to talk about. The first one, the rise of the Washington Wizards. The second topic being, you know, who belongs in the MVP discussion uh, in terms of the top five. There was a conversation going around on Twitter today. Um, And the third topic, uh, it's that time of year again, it's, it's trade rumor season. And I like to get into a trade that, you know, went through today, a pretty minor one, but then talk about some of the rumors that are going on and, you know, how interesting trade rumor season always is in the NBA. With that being being said, let's get into our first topic of the day, the rise of the Washington Wizards. The Wizards have quickly become my dark horse playoff team. Um, I was high on them as of, you know, two to three weeks ago when they were really, you know, starting to play well. And now they've just taken it to a whole nother level Um they have, I believe they have the best record in the Eastern Conference since December 1st. Um, we're we're going to dive into some of the numbers, you know, in their hot streak. Um, but the really, the funny thing is that they might not even be a dark horse because at this point, they could get to the 2 or 3 seed. Uh, they're currently in the 4 seed, a half a game above the Hawks at 5. They're only one game behind the Raptors for the 3 seed and two and a half games behind the Celtics for the 2 seed. The way the Wizards are playing, now the Celtics are really hot. They've won 5 straight as well. Um, and Isaiah Thomas has just been taking over games in the fourth quarter on the offensive end. The Raptors are really struggling, 3-7 and seven in the last 10. Again, the Wizards are only one game behind the Raptors for the third seed in the Eastern Conference. The way the Wizards are playing, they've won five straight. They're 9-1 and one in their last 10, 22-9 since December 1st. There is a serious chance they could catch the Toronto Raptors for the third seed. Um, and they're only two and a half games behind the Celtics. So, you know, of course, depending on what... what um, trades or moves the celtics make or or the wizards make for that matter um we'll talk about in a little bit um could of course affect you know how the teams play moving forward but there is a serious chance wizards catch at least the third seed and there's still a good chance they can catch the second seed which would kind of not really make them a dark horse if they're a top three seed in the conference um but everyone knows they had a terrible start i think they were about three and eight in their first 11 games. Uh, they were not communicating well you know Scott Brooks was struggling with you know balancing the bench and the starters and stuff like that Wall and Beale weren't communicating and playing like great teammates and great stars. They've completely turned it around. Um, for the season the Wizards have the 12th ranked defense and the ninth ranked offense. Um, which is close to that kind of elite you know, barometer of being top 10 on both ends. I consider a team that is top 10 on both ends to truly be elite. The Wizards are really close. They're already top 10 offensively at, n- at number 9, and they're only 12th defensively, so they're really close to that kind of elite status of being top 10 on both ends of the floor. Now, that those numbers are for the season. However, since December 1st, the Wizards are 7th on both offense and defense. So since December 1st, the Wizards have been an elite team in the NBA, top 10 on both ends of the floor, ironically seventh at both ends of the floor. And I already mentioned they're 22-9 since December 1st, which I think is the fourth best record in the league and the the best record in the Eastern Conference since December 1st. It just shows you what an extreme turnaround they've done in Washington, coupled by the starters playing better, communicating better, Brooks doing a nice job of balancing some of the bench pieces with the starters, um, and the bench just doing a little bit better than it did in the beginning of the season. There's too much talent on this team for them to have that terrible start and not recover. I'm not sure everyone expected them to recover at this level, um, but they have, they have turned into an elite team since December 1st, for sure. Um, you know, speaking of the starting lineup, their starting lineup of John Wall, Bradley Beal, Otto Porter, Markeith Morrison, and Marcin Gortat is elite. They have a net rating of 11.3. That starting lineup has a net rating of 11.3, which is absolutely incredible. Um and it goes to show that their bench unit just gets killed because their net rating overall isn't that good. But that starting lineup net rating is is absolutely incredible. Um, and uh, a player I want to talk about, Markeith Morris, is having an underrated season. So we all know John Wall's having a career year. Bradley Beal's having a career year and staying healthy, thankfully. Otto Porter has been well-documented as a most improved player candidate of the year. He certainly would be in my top three. He's leading the league in three-point percentage. Has just figured out his role within the offense as a kind of third, you know, guy catch and shoot kind of guy, um, and, he, and he's playing it well and playing solid defense. Um, Markeith Morris is having an underrated season, I believe. I don't think he's getting talked about enough. Um, his improved play over the past, you know, since that December first uh, kind of marker, um, has been really key to the to the Wizards' extreme turnaround. In January, Morris had a 10.7 net rating. Um, and for, you know, traditional stats, he was averaging 17 points per game and 7 rebounds per game in January. And he shot 41% on three-pointers in January. I don't think people are giving Markeith Morris enough credit for the turnaround. I've seen a couple of people on Twitter giving him some shout-outs. But overall, I think Markeith Morris should be in that auto Porter class of just how improved he's played this season. Remember, they did trade that first-round pick last year to get him from the Suns. And, you know, they didn't make the playoffs last year, so the trade looked pretty questionable then. But now the trade looks great for the Wizards as Morris is putting up very good numbers especially over the past two months um, for the Wizards the interesting thing about the Wizards is that you know their bench is still you know it's well documented that their bench is really really bad and you know has struggled throughout the season of course their big free agent signing Jan Mahimi has played one game this season with that you know torn meniscus in his knee Um, I think he's still going to be out another month and a half or something and the the question that poses is, should they make a trade for a bench player? Uh, in specific, you know, a backup big with the concern to Mahimi's injury. Again, we talked about it. They are within two and a half games of the second seed. They're only one game behind the third seed. You know, this team with one more trade to to get a bench piece and maybe even a, a good backup big on their bench or maybe even two bench players. If they make a trade to improve their bench to, to this elite starting lineup that has a net rating of 11.3 for the season... This team could certainly be the third seed and maybe even get the second seed. And with the Cavs struggling, maybe um, management in front and the ownership believes, you know what, let's make a move. Let's make a you know one or two moves to improve our bench. Our starters are already elite. We're really hot. We're playing well. We're staying healthy for the most part. Um, this could be our year to challenge for the Eastern Conference Finals. And you never know. The Cavs are struggling. They might make a change, a uh, trade, and have their chemistry go down the drain. Maybe they have some injuries in the playoffs you know as i will talk about later in our kind of trade rumor season segment you know the trade season really shed some light into uh, what management and ownership thinks about their team if the wizards make you know one or two trades to improve their bench you know that they think that they can have a have a good shot at sustained playoff success maybe even making their first ever conference finals This is a team that's never made a conference finals before this season with the Raptors struggling, the Celtics still figuring everything out and trying to stay healthy, the Cavs certainly struggling trying to figure things out with trades, and the Wizards playing hot with elite starters and, you know, a clear area to improve in the bench. The Wizards could make a move or two to improve that bench and become a serious, serious threat in the Eastern Conference with the other teams ahead of them struggling and trying to figure things out. So, again, the Wizards are a team to watch not only for their hot play, but also over the next couple weeks as the trade deadline approaches to see what moves they make. Because the moves they make will certainly shed light on what they think the potential of this team is this season um, in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. But an elite turnaround from the Wizards since December 1st and have quickly become a dark horse playoff team. um, Or maybe not even a dark horse if they become just an elite playoff team, you know, a top two or three seed. So... You know the the rise of the Wizards is is now increasingly becoming more appreciated and documented around the league, Um, but it's just been incredible to watch. And Scott Brooks deserves a lot of credit. He just won Eastern Conference Coach of the Month for January. He deserves a lot of credit. You know he was receiving a lot of blame in the beginning part of the season. People weren't sure if it was the right hire. They've turned it around. I think they've won 15 straight games at home. Brooks deserves a lot of credit. Wald deserves a lot of credit for having a career year. Beals, staying healthy and playing great. Otto Porter, a most improved player of the year candidate. And we talked about Marquise Morris, who's also a very most improved of the month, I guess. So I make my own award um, for his great play in January. So that is a little bit more on the rise of the Wizards trip. Quickly become one of my favorite teams to watch and to keep an eye on as they approach the trade deadline. And of course, approach the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. Now let's move on to um, talk about um, the MVP discussion. And I don't mean who, you know, is the MVP because we will actually be going more in depth in our monthly awards update show on Monday. And hopefully we'll have a guest to to, uh, go over their award race leaders as we do every month here on the show. We'll dive into rookie of the year, six man of the year, most improved player of the year, coach of the year, MVP, defensive player of the year, and all those things in more in depth on Monday in our kind of segmented show. Um, but I want to talk about who really belongs in the MVP discussion because when you talk about MVP, you know the voters don't only vote for one or two people. They vote for basically a top five, um, though I think it is a top 10 actually, but people really care about the top five. Um, so obviously Harden and Westbrook are top two for now for most people. Most people have Harden at one. A good amount of people have Westbrook at one as well, and then they kind of flip flop the other two. So Harden and Westbrook are the top two MVP candidates for most people right now. Rounding out the top five, it gets a little bit more interesting. You've got Kawhi Leonard there. You've got you know Kevin Durant, Isaiah Thomas, LeBron James. Even Steph Curry has emerged as a incredible. You know he's you know basically back to last season's form. So you know if he sustains that the rest of the season, he's certainly going to throw his name into the top five. Rounding out the top five of the MVP discussion becomes very difficult now, um, especially with the rise of Isaiah Thomas, the struggles of the Cavs, Durant's incredible super efficient scoring and great defense on a team that's really stacked that kind of hurts him Kawhi emerging as an incredible go-to uh score and number one option on the Spurs team that lost Tim Duncan but is still on pace for 64 wins um and Kawhi still providing that great defense Westbrook with the triple doubles you know carrying a, a very limited Oklahoma City Thunder team and Harden um you know, doing a great job of managing and, and and leading this team that's built perfectly for him and, and Mike D'Antoni's system, leading them to on a 57-win pace and third in the Western Conference, which absolutely no one had. Each player has a, a key reason why they belong in the MVP discussion and, and, more importantly, belong in the top five of the MVP discussion. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about Isaiah Thomas because I've seen a lot of people um, on Twitter today. I was engaged in a nice conversation Um with people who had posted their top five in MVP um, for for MVP their top five for MVP at this moment, um, and someone was saying why Isaiah Thomas wasn't on the list, and we had a nice chat about why people left him off, and people think he deserves him to be on the list. Listen, Isaiah Thomas is an incredible scorer this season, second in the league in scoring per game. He's very clutch. He leads the league in fourth quarter scoring, and, and even down the stretch, he has great clutch you know scoring outputs Almost it seems every night you know for the past month or two. And he's very efficient. He has over 60% true shooting percentage, um, good field goal percentage, you know, good gets to the free throw line, is a great free throw shooter. Um, but the question really is, and the question for a lot of voters and fans is, are his defensive liabilities too much to overlook? And in my opinion, they are. Listen, Isaiah Thomas is a great scorer. He's third in the league in offensive real plus minus, but he's last in the league He's third in the league overall in offensive real plus-minus, but he's last in the league overall in defensive real plus-minus. Not among point guards only. In the entire league, Isaiah Thomas is last in defensive real plus-minus. And if you count out the two, yes, his offense um, you know, is, outweighs his, his defense because he has, he has a positive real plus-minus. But his real plus-minus is only 1.5, which is good for 71st in the league now i know the numbers don't always tell the story and this is certainly a case where they don't um and an interesting number that really doesn't tell the entire story is that the celtics actually perform better in the fourth quarter with isaiah thomas off the floor the celtics actually get outscored when thomas is on the floor in the fourth quarter some of that's his defensive problems it's not only him he's not the only one to blame but that you know that kind of number and statistic and trend along with the fact that he's, his, he has seriously poor defensive you know metrics and numbers make his defensive liabilities a serious concern it's pretty much true that yes they've missed avery bradley and they have missed al horford and, and players like that that are good defenders but it's basically nearly impossible to put together a good defense when isaiah thomas plays 30 33 plus minutes for you um 35 plus minutes for you too you need him on the floor for the offense he essentially kills the defense when he's on the floor so it's kind of a you know you give and take on that kind of matter um but the numbers especially the defensive numbers you know make it Hard for me to put him in the top five. I think I would have him at six right now. Uh, if I had to do my top five, I'd probably go Harden, Kawhi, Westbrook, Durant, LeBron, Isaiah Thomas. In that, in that, you know, Isaiah Thomas at six. Uh, maybe switch LeBron and Durant. Maybe switch Westbrook and Kawhi. But speaking of Kawhi, I think that right now, if I had to do it right now, I probably would put him at number two. But I think it's very close for Westbrook to be at number two, and really I wouldn't have a problem with someone putting Westbrook at two and Kawhi at three. Um, it's a very close between Kawhi and Westbrook for the number two, in my opinion. Listen, Kawhi is now a go-to scorer, averaging a career-high 25.6 points per game. He's still a great defender, still a front-runner um, in that kind of top three for Defensive Player of the Year, and he's a number one guy on a Spurs team that was that's on pace for 63 wins, even after losing their kind of heart and soul, in Tim Duncan in the offseason. That's just incredible. They, they won 67 games last year. They're only on pace for four games difference. After losing Duncan, Gasol has been injured and is going to be out for the next month. They're old, and Kawhi is just still taking over along with LaMarcus Aldridge. Kawhi is also averaging a career-high 3.2 assists per game, and he's super efficient with a 62.3 true shooting percentage. My kind of reasoning for this is that if the Thunder finish with their on-pace... For you know the the Thunder are on pace for forty six wins. The Spurs are on pace for sixty three wins. If the Thunder finish with forty six wins and the Spurs finish with sixty three, and the numbers stay the same for the two players, I would have Kawhi at number two um, behind James Harden and Westbrook at number three. If the Thunder get hot and reach that fifty win plateau, and the Spurs maybe drop a little bit and go to sixty, and the numbers stay the same, maybe I would put Westbrook over Kawhi for number two. But this is just a quick conversation on the MVP discussion overall because we will do a more in-depth breakdown of all the awards races, um, all six of the awards races on our show for Monday. I just want to talk more about kind of this interesting discussion that happens when you bring in the whole top five for MVP because Isaiah Thomas has certainly inserted himself into the conversation. Kawhi has been playing great and has inserted himself to the top three conversation. The Thunder have been struggling which makes Westbrook fall down a little bit. The Rockets have been struggling, which makes Harden fall down a little bit. The Cavs have been struggling, which makes LeBron James fall down a little bit. The Warriors have not been struggling at all. Um, And Durant has still been playing great, but now Steph Curry has emerged to kind of take away the spotlight from Durant. So he has fallen down a little bit. You know, there are just so many kind of storylines and and reasoning behind each candidate for MVP this season. I I think it's going to be one of the most fascinating MVP races we've seen in several years, especially relating to last year when it was basically decided by you know i don't know january that curry was going to win and he ended up winning it unanimous unanimously um so it's really great to have an interesting mvp race it kind of provides another storyline in a season where the warriors continue to dominate um and and the season and the finals seem inevitable just the more interesting and fun storylines we can have throughout the regular season the more captivating it is to watch the nba and follow the nba of course so again now it's just a brief discussion um about who essentially belongs in the top 5 MVP discussion, but we will do a more in-depth breakdown of all the awards races on our show for Monday. Um, and in just a bit we will get to our final segment of today's episode of Free Talk Friday here in the 94 Feet Report, in which we will talk about trade rumor season. Alright, let's talk about trade rumor season, because it's certainly in full effect now. We are It's, it's Thursday, February 2nd. Um, I'm recording this before any of the games tonight, so I will not know anything about those right now. Um, it's the afternoon in the Eastern Standard Time. But the trade deadline is right around the corner, only a couple of weeks away. We have seen a trade happen today, just before we went on air to record this podcast. Uh, the Bucks and Hornets agreed to a trade in which Milwaukee gets Roy Hibber and Spencer Hawes, and Charlotte gets Miles Plumley. And uh, I do not understand or like the move for Charlotte. I think it's a good move for Milwaukee because they get rid of the horrible Plumlee contract. He gets $12 million a year for the next four years for a guy who's basically the third-string center. And they get Hibbert. Hibbert has been okay this season. Hawes has pretty much not been doing that much. Um, it's interesting why Milwaukee wants two big guys back because they still have Monroe and Henson there. And I've heard another rumor that they're shopping Monroe and or Henson at the same time. And... Um, I saw some other thing that a lot of executives believe that the Bucks' willingness to trade has opened the floodgates on potential moves and that it'll be a very interesting period before the trade deadline. I don't understand the move for Charlotte because they're giving up Hibbert and Halls to get Plumlee, who has a bad contract and isn't that good. He isn't good overall. He's just a bad player. Um, and so you want to get him to defend the rim. I mean, Cody Zell has missed time with injury. Charlotte's really struggling. They're, I think, four or five games under five hundred now. Um, but I don't think Plumlee is going to solve anything for them. And I know giving up Hibbert and Hawes is not a big deal, but I don't think it's a net positive for them. I think they lost this trade. Um, and for the Bucks, I don't think they were huge winners. I think they definitely got, were on the right side of the trade. But again, this continues to crowd their front court. And uh, we'll have to see what other moves they make that would kind of explain this trade. Um, but that's just a small, quick trade that was done today before we went on to record the podcast. And I really want to talk about trade rumor season because it's really fascinating because essentially every day there's a new rumor that comes out. We had the Mellow rumors and we still have them, even though it's becoming increasingly likely that he won't be traded after all. Um, but you never know with the Cavs wanting to shake things shake things up with these ter- with this terrible stretch. The Clippers may be desperate because they know that if they don't have sustained playoff success, one of Chris Paul or Blake Griffin, or maybe both, could leave in the offseason and that would leave them in disarray. Um, we have the Orlando Magic rumors that they've... Uh, increasingly work to, to uh, shop and trade Serge Ibaka and they've already been shopping Nikola Vucevic for the, basically the entire season um, looking to get some more wing scoring stuff like that again I mentioned the Cavs looking to make a move it's possible that the Hawks are still selling on Paul Millsap guys like Cephalosha Tim Hardaway Jr stuff like that um, I mentioned the Wizards maybe making a move and I think they should for a backup big or at least a bench player Got teams like the Rockets, who could use a backup wing or a rim protector after their recent struggles. You know, so many teams that could potentially make a trade. You never know with the Celtics, with all of their assets. Maybe a star becomes available, like Jimmy Butler, who's obviously there's some turmoil going on in Chicago. Um, the Raptors, you're getting desperate. They're struggling. They believe a trade maybe for an elite power forward, like a Paul Millsap, could put them over the edge with the struggling Cavs ahead of them. Um, the Warriors are going to stand back. The Spurs probably stand back. Clippers could get desperate. Maybe the Jazz make a move, um, sensing that there's an opportunity here. The, only, the Jazz are in the fifth seed, but only half a game behind the Clippers for the fourth seed, and you never know. The Jazz seem like a team that could do very well in the playoffs. Like The Grizzlies and Thunder could get desperate make a move. So many teams could make a move, and we haven't even talked about the sellers at the trade deadline. Got teams like the Nuggets with a lot of assets who are only basically percentage points behind the A seed. The Kings, again, struggling and are looking for another lottery-bound season. The Pelicans, Lakers, Suns, all basically trying to play for that high draft pick. Um, You know, the Magic, the 76ers could be making some trades. The Heat have started winning. They've won nine straight, though they were previously struggling heavily, and there were rumors about shopping Drogic and or Whiteside. So many teams are are probably going to want to look for a trade. Now, the the question is how many trades will actually get done. And, you know, the jury is still out on that matter. But um, I think that kind of the most interesting thing about trade rumor season and what makes it of always a fun, interesting time of year is that it really provides a lot of insight into what GMs and ownership believe the the path of their team is um, and especially the potential of their team this specific season, you know. For example, if they believe that they can contend this season, then they'll make a trade for another starter or for some bench pieces in the case of the Wizards and the Rockets. Um, maybe they believe they can contend next season, in which case they really either won't make some moves or they'll make moves for to clear up some cap space to sign one more marquee player to, to complete their core for next season. Or they're knowing that, they're, that this team is, you know, built for the future and they're going to tank or play for the draft picks, in which case they'll sell off some older guys first in draft picks and some young guys that are cheap under contract um, and can develop with some potential. Uh, that's what always makes it, you know, trade rumor season and, and trade season for that matter so interesting is because it provides such a uh, clear look into what, you know, management – ownership the players the coaches believe that their team can do this season and then moving forward what is their true path of their team so of course watch out for teams like the bucks the Cavs, the magic the hawks rockets Um, those are some teams that you should seriously watch out for and see what kind of moves they make because those will certainly dictate um, what they believe their path is for their team this season Um, and you know moving forward you know for the future um, so that was just a quick talk about Trade Rumor Season. It's one of my favorite times of the year. Um, and that's going to conclude Episode 9 of Free Talk Friday here on the 94 Feet Report. We talked about the, the rise of the Wizards. We talked about who belongs in that Top 5 MVP discussion. And we talked about Trade Rumor Season. Um, again, we'll be back on uh, Monday with our normal, you know, kind of segmented show. Of course, we'll do an in-depth awards race update. Um, hopefully have a guest. Um, Of course, follow me on Twitter at Eric Spiros for updates on the show and updates for my new writing positions as 16 wins a ring and on Hoops Habit covering the Rockets. Um, Check out our sponsors, Fan Essentials. Use promo code 94feet at checkup for 30% off and Daily Fantasy Nerd. You can check out the link in some of our episode descriptions to help out the show and get some great Daily Fantasy tools. This was episode 9 of Free Talk Friday here in the 94 Feet Report. I am your host, as always, Eric Sparopoulos. Follow me on Twitter, at Eric Spiros, and I hope you guys have a great weekend of watching some NBA basketball, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Take care, guys.